How do you build a product business on the side while working a demanding day job to the point you can replace your income and operate your new business full-time? Today, I speak with a founder that has already built a massively successful business in just over two years. She talks about how she grew so quickly and has great advice for inventors and entrepreneurs at all stages of their business. Welcome to another episode of the Harvest Growth Podcast, focused on helping consumer product companies, inventors, and entrepreneurs harvest the growth potential of their product businesses. Today, I'm really excited to be speaking with Kara Frola. She's the founder of BackEmbrace.com. We're going to talk about exactly what that product is. I do have to say, I love this product, and I really love the way she's presented her marketing today, too. So I encourage you to check out their website at a minimum to see what she's done and the great graphics, the story, everything she's put together has been fantastic so far. Again, backembrace.com. We'll jump in and talk about exactly what the product is and get to know more of Kara's story and how she has built this business successfully and very quickly. So I think you're really going to enjoy this interview. Kara, welcome to the show. I'm so glad you joined us today. Hi, Phil. Thank you so much for having me. It's just such an honor to be on your podcast and just to share a little bit about Back Embrace. Absolutely. I'm, I'm really excited to share your story, as I mentioned. So let's start off by, if you, can you explain what is the Back Embrace? How does it help people? Yes. Yeah, so Back Embrace is a posture corrector, and it just gently pulls your shoulders back into proper alignment. Anyone can use it. Um, you don't have to have had you know, major like orthopedic or, or back problems or, or suffered a back injury, just merely you know, from tension and strain from working in front of our computers. Um, and our mobile devices. It just gent- it's a gentle reminder. You can wear it over your clothes, under your clothes. It's seamless and flexible and um, incredibly comfortable. I have to say, I can't remember if I've mentioned this to you in past conversations or not, but I love the brand name. For me, it's, it's, oh, it's I'm a big believer in being descriptive with your brand names, even though, of course, the creatives in the world would say never do that. And the lawyers would say the same, right? It's, it's harder to protect the more descriptive as opposed to a made up word, right? But it's, right. it's easier for consumers to get it when it's a little bit descriptive. And especially when there's a play on words, right? I just love like the fact that it kind of acts as a brace, but in reality, it's embracing you and hugging you into that, that proper alignment or positioning, just genius. So, uh, can you tell oh, us about the process? How, how'd you come up with it? Was it a hard name to come up with or is it one that kind of came to you one night? You know, it's funny. I was out actually shopping with a girlfriend and I had been trying to figure out what I was going to name this thing. And um, I, I really wanted to include the word back. I wanted it to be somewhat descriptive, um, you know, having to do with, with the, the body part that it helps the most. And um, it just popped into my mind. And I remember like racing home to go buy the domain on GoDaddy, um, you know, and uh, yeah, that's how and I- sometimes how I it's, it's it. when you've got something that's two, I would say basic words or re- regular words, let's say, man, it's mm-hmm. hard to find a good URL that actually exists for that. So it's, it's, it's kind of karma. I guess it's meant to be that uh, yes. it's available and, and uh, you're able to use the, the URL as well as the brand name. So that's fantastic. Now let's talk about the product. How did you originally come up with the idea? I guess, w- notice the problem. Let's talk about the d- design actually later on, but sure. how did you realize this is a problem that needed to be solved? So great question. I, my background's accounting and I was actually working in um, Marina Del Rey in California at an accounting job. I was working really long hours and um, 
I had so much tension and strain in my neck and shoulders. It was just like, it felt like needles going down just from, you know, just being sedentary uh, for so long. And I was going to the chiropractor and, you know, those bills were (laughs) piling up. I was spending so much and um, trying exercises at the gym and someone had recommended a posture corrector. So I checked out a local store actually just on Wilshire in Santa Monica and um, they directed me to a posture corrector. I tried it on and I really noticed that when my shoulders were back, so much tension and strain was alleviated. And so I was wearing this thing and, you know, I was excited because I finally got some relief. Um, The thing was, it was really bulky, like really padded straps and uh, really restricted my mobility. It had a big buckle on the back. It just, it wasn't very attractive. So um, I kind of realized I actually started just kind of wearing it around and, um, I ended up, I was actually too embarrassed to wear it around, to be honest. <laughs> it was just so not cute. And I'm somewhat of like a fashionista. So I, um, I actually sewed a cover for it. I found some fabric at like Joanne Fabrics and um, my mom helped me sew a cover. And so it made it just a little bit cuter. And so when I was wearing that around, literally people would stop me and say, oh, where did you get that? I need one of those. Oh my gosh, my, my posture is terrible now. My, my shoulders hurt. And, um, that's when I kind of realized, I think there's a need for this. Yeah, absolutely. And by your description, I think part of the reason there was a fashion concern with it is it was bulky enough. You could, you couldn't wear that one underneath your clothes, as opposed to the back embrace. That's part of what drove part of that design. Um, So how how did you get from that point to now designing the current product you have that, that works so well and, and, and is hidden? Right. Okay. Thanks. Um, So I actually, I started, I first just started ordering every posture corrector I could find. Literally my roommate at the time was like, what's going on? My dining room table was like filled with boxes and, and everything. And I, I was really kind of studying, you know, all of these different braces and just kind of figuring out, okay, well, this one has a nice feature, but you know, this material is really scratchy on the skin. And I was really just kind of going through each one. And, um, ended up over time, ended up just, I I just really played around with different materials. I was ordering memory foam. I was just trying to like makeshift prototypes in my apartment with the stapler and, um, just, you know, kind of trying to figure out, I ended up working with a seamstress who executed some of my designs and it took so many iterations. It took prototyping for actually years because I, I worked full time. And so this was just kind of a nights and weekends, whenever I had a chance, I would just kind of chip away, chip away at it. And, um, you know, time, it just, it was a, it was a labor of love. It was exciting. It was fun, but it was a lot of work. And I eventually ended up coming up with the, with the new design that, um, and I'm patented now utility patent. Oh, fantastic. Congratulations. Thank you. And let's talk about the launch timing. So you, as you mentioned, it took years to develop the product and get it perfected to the point that it's ready for market. And, and, and once you got to that point, I believe it was the fall of 2019, right? Yes. Which I think is opportune timing. It's, you and I had a quick conversation on this before, where a product like this with the shift that happened to the entire world, right? Starting in 2020 with 
COVID driving almost everybody to work in their homes. Now without supportive chairs, with you know, non-ergonomic desks, with you know, not in a place they're used to working or it wasn't built for working for a lot of people. So it drove a lot of back issues. For you, a lot of opportunity to help people, right? To to overcome that. So uh, you know, you couldn't have predicted that, but I think the timing ended up being being great for your business. From that point forward, so you know, even before COVID, what would you say drove your early success? Because that's you've been a it's it's only a couple of years ago, right? This is a very short timeline that you've been so successful with your business. What was one of the first things that drove that success? I think um, definitely, you know, as I was prototyping and you know, I had my full time job, I wasn't I wasn't sure how I was ever going to make the leap you know, to leave my full-time gig with, with health insurance and salary and everything to just like start selling, you know? Um, and so one of the most instrumental things that I did was participate in trade shows. I actually, um, it, it was a great way to, you know, prove my concept. And I started out just doing it with a small production run, you know, I'd start out with like 50 and really test those. And then I started, you know, then I put in an order for 200. So I did a trade show and it was, it was geared for people in the medical industry and I, it did so well. I just had an overwhelmingly positive response. And these are people who, you know, sell medical equipment and home health supplies. And um, no, they, they loved it. And I, I just couldn't even believe the success that I had. So that really helped give me the confidence to, you know, to be able to quit my full-time job and, and move forward with back embrace full-time. That's fantastic. Um, and, and for our audience, if you've listened to many of our shows, I'm a huge believer and constantly talk about the benefits of selling directly to the, to your audience, whether that's at a trade show at a mall kiosk or to your neighbors, friends and family, whatever it might be, but that person-to-person interaction, you learn so much in the very beginning mm-hmm. of a launch like this, where for you, it was a confirmation that you've got something, which is great. And also, I imagine, back to that point, that you also learned some you know, questions that come up that you can then convey into your website, your marketing materials, et cetera. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was a great way to really understand my customers' pain points and even you know the store manager's the kind of questions they get from customers who are looking for, you know, back pain relief. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to ask you a question. I'm going to set it up in a second, but just to have you think about it for a minute. Think about what changes have driven the best results for you. So driving or thinking back to 2019, between then and now, a couple of times where making a tweak to your business really drove an increase in results. So one example, while you're thinking about that, that I don't know if this is a change, but one of the things I love about your your website, if again, encouraging our audience, when you have the chance to go check out the website, backembrace.com. It's in the show notes as well, if you're driving or whatever to go check it out later. But if when you check out the website, right after the top folds, right? beneath the very top of the homepage, you've got a section for shop men and shop women. And I love how you put simple videos together there. You've got a, ma- a male turning around wearing one of these with his shirt off. So you can really see how it works, where how it fits. And then a female with a you know, sports bra. And so you can, again, see how exactly how it fits. Both of them are smiling, happy, looking at you. 
And I imagine that probably was not on the site on day one, right? But things right. like that, making those modifications or adjustments to constantly make yourself, your, your business look better and improve it can make massive changes. Um, so anyways, that's one thing I wanted to point out that I saw that I would, would say it doesn't work for every business, but um, it's a great idea or suggestion to, again, learn from Kara if you're, if you're checking out the website. Any other thoughts, Kara, on, on changes that you've made over time that have been really beneficial? Yes. Well, one of the first things that I, that I did was work with the publicist and that was probably like one of the best decisions I had made. Um, I really, I really realized like within this whole process that, you know, I spent so many years really developing the product and getting it with the right materials and, you know, everything custom done, custom woven with my designs. I finally had the product and I'm like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to have like massive success. And, you know, in my mind, I was like 80% there, you know, I put it up on a website and then I'm like, why aren't they flying off the shelf? You know? And I really realized it's not enough just to have a great product, you know, having the strategy and execution to really, you know, create and run the business around the product is just as important, if not, if not more important. So, um, so one of the things that I did really that was, was hiring a publicist, I needed to get the word out. And once, um, once I got some exposure, it just, you know, I, I couldn't even keep inventory in stock. It was really phenomenal. I, I was on Good Morning America and Healthline and CNN. I just, yeah, it was, it was fantastic. And that is often left at the back burner, at least at the very beginning, the the need to get the message out, right? So often inventors focus on perfecting the product and then get to the end. Okay, I've got it. Perfect. Well, now what do I do with it? Right. And that's very normal. And I think the good thing is, you know, spending that time and effort to get it right means that when consumers do come across it, they're going to love it. Right. So that's important time to spend but being sure, as, you, as you're mentioning, how do you get the message out there, right? Whether it's through a publicist, whether it's through paid ads, whether it's through organic social media, whether it's working with influencers, you know, there's a lot of different ways to do it. And every, every product has a different path to success specifically. But the one commonality is you always have to have something to give you exposure, right? So in the early days, uh, a publicist getting quote unquote free PR, right? I'm sure you pay the publicist, right? But a lot of that is ultimately free exposure that, that comes Absolutely. once you uh, that's great. So, yes. And then you mentioned the, the, um, the videos on my website. That was another thing that I, that I did, you know, my first, my first photo shoot I did in my apartment with my cousin's roommate who was a trainer and he was super photogenic. And I, you know, I recruited friends of mine to, um, to wear it. And, you know, it, that was on my first website. And then I really, I realized I really need some great video content. I really want to be able to show people how this, how this works, how flexible it is. I want I needed to be able to really show that it's great for men and women that it can be worn over and under the clothes. Um, so yeah, doing, I, I did a pretty big photo shoot just about a year ago and, um, yeah. And that also really moves the needle. And one of the things I like about that concept, that idea is, you know, as you go to the website, it feels very premium, right? So again, you spent the time and effort to make sure the product was premium, that it worked well. Now you got to kind of prove it right through it's the, the content you have, the creative assets that you use. If you've got low quality images, again, in the beginning, great, right? But when you can mm-hmm. 
improve the look and feel of how you showcase your product, whether it's your website or video or, or whatever the, the platform might be. Um, but making sure that premium look and feel is there. So people feel right away, like, Hey, I know this is something I can trust. Not only is it going to work, but it looks great. You know, it's, they're enjoy- the smiles alone, right. Convey that. Okay. It's comfortable to wear little nuances like that. You've, you've clearly thought through. Is there something you, you wish you would have known before you started this, that you, you rewound it to 2019 or maybe even earlier, that if you would have done something differently with the knowledge you have today? It's so funny thinking about that because I was thinking about that before and I thought, gosh, I don't, I don't know. I guess I never, I didn't realize, you know, you just don't realize how much work it goes into you know, developing a product, not just developing a product, but running a business and how everything is so, you know, um, intensive now, just as far as like Google ads, there's a whole strategy behind that. And I mean, there's these like these funnels and it's not just like you can get an overall, you know, view or, or understanding of how these, how all these things work. Um, I don't think there's anything that I really would have done differently, to be honest. I, you know, any setbacks that I've had, I've, I've learned from, and that's just helped me as I move forward into, you know, new situations and opportunities. Yeah. It's a good way to answer. And I think, you know, sometimes we, we look at failures like, Oh, I wish I wouldn't have gone through that, that time or made that decision or whatever. But if you, with your perspective, like you just talked about, right. If we can learn from that, it, it helps us to grow. And sometimes we need those little failures or big failures sometimes to help us grow in a very different direction. We wouldn't have gotten to in a different way. So that's a good way of putting that. Do you have any, any resources that you recommend that, you know, any books or podcasts or things that have helped you along your journey? Yes. Um, definitely something that has just been a phenomenal resource for me is um, a website called Haro. Um, H-A-R-O, help a reporter out, and you're, it's free, and you're able to access what all of these editors are writing about, and they send emails three times a day with various topics, and you, know, you don't have to have a publicist or be a publicist to respond, but I've gotten some great um, media, media publications from that resource. That is a good resource. And I think especially when you're when budgets are limited, I mean you can use it forever, right? But in the early mm-hmm. days when you don't have money or capital for a publicist uh, or whatever it might be, and you have the time and ability to do some of that on your own, it's yeah, H-A-R-O.com is definitely one to check out. Uh, Kara, is there anything I didn't ask in this interview that you think could be helpful for our audience? I think just also maybe reiterating to start small. Um, that's one I I've had several friends that, you know, they've created, maybe it's a great product and they went ahead and went overseas and produced 5,000 units and then maybe realized, oops, there's something I wanted to change or, you know, being stuck with a lot of inventory. I definitely think it's worth it to to perhaps pay a premium and kind of just start slower and smaller, smaller batches so that you can test and pivot kind of along the way, especially during those early stages. That's good advice. And I, I often say something relatively similar where, you know, it's okay. I always, and I actually am a former accountant as well. Maybe that's why we think that way, right? It's okay to think <laughs> in the very beginning of, of if you, you know, your product's going to cost you $10 when you do small production, it's going to cost you $5 per unit eventually. Well, plan around that $5, right? Forget about, this is testing, right? Just consider some of this, some investment in the business, 
to do smaller runs, pay more per unit, that's okay, as opposed to thousands of units that might sit there. Even if your product takes off, I've seen this many times where they wish they would have been able to make a tweak to it, right? So yes, it's selling really well, but if I had this one extra feature, it would sell even better. My consumers would be that much happier. The return rate would be lower. And so when you start off small, you get some of those learnings that can be translated into bigger production runs down the road. So yeah, it's, I guess that accounting mindset, <laughs> great advice. <laughs> So I do want to remind the audience, please go and check out backembrace.com. Again, it's in the show notes. So if you're driving or whatever, check it out later. And if you use discount code HARVESTGROWTH, one word, all lowercase, you'll get a 10% discount off of your purchase. Uh, we encourage everyone to go at least check out the website. This It's really cool what Kara has done with his business. Great product, but also great look and feel just to learn. And I, I encourage everybody to learn from other businesses, what's driven to their success. If you've got a product business that's very different from Back Embrace, you can still learn from the, some of the successful things that Kara has done in, within her business. So for the listeners, again, please check out their website, but also be sure to check out Harvest Growth Podcast to see other episodes we've recorded. And if you like this episode and want to learn more about how you can profit grow your consumer product business, please subscribe to our show and leave us a review at iTunes or Google Play. 